What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. Tom here. Uh, we recorded with Brian Robb of the Winning Plays podcast and of MassLive.com. B-Rob talked to us about uh, Danny Ainge's comments about how the Celtics are garbage now. He talked to us about the all-star voting and uh, whether Jalen Brown was snubbed and a few other things. Appreciate you guys all listening. As always, you can DM myself or Nicole with any questions, comments, or concerns. But until then, here's B-Rob. Danny Ainge has been a pretty busy man this week, to say the least, um, with the Celtics I want to say, I guess we can say floundering around the 500 mark. He, uh, in his weekly interview today on Touch and Rich, had to deal with a lot of hard-hitting questions here about uh, a team that's been really fading in the East standings lately, losing 11 of their last 17 overall. And I think the biggest thing here, and I'll, I'll start with Nicole here, like the biggest quote that stuck out to me was him just flat out saying at one point in the interview, our roster obviously is not good. I mean, we are a 14 and 14 team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This, that's who we are. This team, where we are, 14-14, if there's somebody to blame, this is Danny Ames to blame. I mean, the roster's been hurt here, but that's that's like pretty cutting commentary there from, from Ames. I know, like, what, what did you guys both think about just him being that blunt about where this team is right now? Yeah, because if you think about it, even during the 2018-19 season, he was facing similar questions because they were going through similar problems, obviously different team, different chemistry issues and things like that. But he never said this. Like he always was like, I think we can turn it around. I think we have the talent that's needed. Like it never got to this point. Like he never admitted it at this point in the season that they weren't good enough. And this year, the weird thing is, is he has a bunch of excuses to turn to. And he said he didn't want to make excuses. And he still acknowledged, you know, the COVID struggles, injuries, and he could have just relied on that and said, like, we just need health and then go from there. But he decided to admit it straight up, which I think is telling. Every time he said that in 2018-19, yeah, you did have enough talent. That 2018-19 roster, I mean, for all of its failings, that, that was a loaded basketball team. You know, the, the point guard who like lost a ton of minutes off the bench just had like a week where he averaged like 50 points in Charlotte. Like Terry Rozier was, you know, like like the third point guard off the bench at the time. Like that team had actual talent. This year's team kind of has da like Danny touched on it in, in his uh, in his interview with Petra Rich. Like they have their eighth man being their like, you know, fourth or fifth best player right now. And like that's just not going to cut it. So I think that there's there's definitely a shift in the way he's talking, but I think that, you know, for the Celtics, at least, you know, the guy who's, I don't know, going to rework the roster understands the issues because like this, like this team is kind of a mess and uh, it's not just a mess. There just isn't as much talent as there has been in previous years. And especially, you know, especially that 2018, 19 season. So I think that's telling, but I also think it's appropriate that he's, you know, kind of saying right now, like, yeah, like, I don't know, this roster that I've assembled just isn't that good right now. Yeah, it's funny. It's gone to like those two extremes, to your point of like, yeah. you know, they, they're, they're, you, you hold on to everyone when there wasn't enough minutes to go around. And now, I mean, this, this time around, they obviously wanted to keep Gordon Hayward and it was a strategic play, obviously, to, to not replace him immediately and to open the door to, to additional possibilities. 
but now you're you're banking on a, a risky proposition of hoping these young guys, whether it was Peyton Pritchard who has, or guys like Grant Williams or Carson Edwards who have not this year, you know, take that next step into blossoming in bigger roles right away. And then you have, I think the biggest thing though is like the free agent signings. You needed to hit on those. And I don't know if it's an officially 0 for 2 here, but maybe it's like 0.5 for 2, I guess. Like it's Tristan Thompson. You can officially say like, yeah, he's giving them something. But as far as what this roster actually needed, once Hayward was out of the picture, like there's clearly bigger areas to address on the roster than, you know, another big who is potentially blocking minutes for, you know, guys who want to develop on the roster anyway. Some of these problems are pro- are definitely unforeseen in the COVID issues. Like they didn't know that Jason Tatum was going to test positive. Robert Williams is going to test positive. They didn't know Marcus Smart was going to have this injury and be out for such an extended period of time. But like they knew the void Gordon Hayward would leave. They knew Romeo Langford was going to be out for like the first half of the season. So I feel like some of these roster construction issues were aware, were like known prior to this point in the season. Well, and I'm sorry, like you hard capped yourself to bring in a third center in a league where like, like one center and then maybe like a strong guy is probably enough for your roster. Like they just don't, you just don't need like this many big men on a roster, especially like a big man who like can't actually handle, you know, the one behemoth in the, uh, in the conference that everybody's like concerned about when the Celtics get to the playoffs. Like Tristan Thompson is, you know, he's strong and everything, but he's, he's six foot nine. Joel Embiid is so much bigger, so much more physical and just, you know, so talented that, yeah, you, like you literally hard capped yourself bringing this guy in. And obviously, you know, the perfect player isn't always going to like present himself, but like, just think how much better, you know, this team would be if you got a Marcus Morris type player right now, like just like that guy who can just kind of get you some buckets in like a tough spot, you know, who's a little bit more versatile defensively. Like there had to have been, you know, somebody that you could have gotten, I, I, you know, and this is kind of obviously hindsight, 2020 revisionist, whatever, but like, like you couldn't have gotten somebody for like the full, you know, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that 0.5 is, is a little generous, um, not because I think Tristan Thompson is bad, but because like, you know, I've been screaming about this on Geno time until, you know, I'm blue in the face, but like, it's just it, like, you didn't need that guy. I, I like, I just don't think you needed that guy. And, and and I think that, you know, the offensive struggles over the last little bit are really kind of bearing that out. Yeah. And you also had Ennis Cantor, like yeah. that's, like, yeah. it's, and it, that's, I mean, Cantor, we all, we're, we're not going to go down that road. We're well aware of the limitations he brings, but as far as like, has Thompson made a measurable improvement during this regular season compared to what Cantor would have given you? Probably not. I and literally I mean, think Ennis Cantor would have been better for this team. Like, probably. Because like he could actually stand in front of Joel Embiid and like competently like, and, and again, I think that Tristan Thompson is a better player, but like, like, I, I, like at least Cantor brought you something that the other guys didn't. That's a situation where, you know, we gave Thompson some time here to start the year, I feel like, but we're, we're 26 games in now. He's played pretty much, um, he's only missed two games. So I think this is, it's fair to start judging him now. And I don't know. I think it's also like, have we, are we just seeing a defensive drop off of him? Like he's, he's, he's hit 30. One of his supposed to be strongest traits is being able to switch on the guys on the perimeter. And as we saw, you know, Wednesday night against Trey young, not that he's going to be able to stick with him at any point, but just any kind of perimeter player, he, I feel like has been roasted more often than not this year. And so that, if that's the main appeal of bringing someone like that in, and he's just not bringing that to the table, then that's, that's where you're really in a tough spot now with uh, 
you know, a guy that is not necessarily, um, you know, the right fit for what you want to do on, on either end of the floor. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you wanted somebody who was going to switch, like you already had Daniel Tice, like Daniel Tice is like good at that stuff. You know, I mean, like, like if you look at Thompson's numbers, obviously the, you know, that like his on off numbers were tanked initially because that double big lineup was such a mess, but like it, like you go to cleaning the glass, if you put Tristan Thompson on the court and, and Daniel Tice off it, if you filter it like that, there's 734 possessions and the Celtics are almost two points per hundred possessions, like outscored. It, like it just, it hasn't worked. It, it's just not a great fit right now. So where do you guys look at, there's eight games you know, left. You, you know, you had the Geno time people on because immediately everything went super negative and we started ripping on Tristan Thompson. Right. So. <laughs> Go ahead, going, going back to Danny for a second, were you guys surprised that he admitted it? Like, I know it's obvious and we all agree with him, but I don't know. What, what would you think if you were a player and you heard that? What do you think Jalen and Jason, they probably agree actually because they're the only ones <laughs> out there that can do anything. But I don't know. What do you think of like the player reaction? Are you surprised he like publicly said that? Yeah, because that's not his MO, I feel like. Right. I mean, that that this is something where it's probably a, a, a obviously a smart play by him. You want to, you know, everyone's going after Brad. Everyone's going after the players right now. And he wanted to deflect that because it's easier, Danny Inge, it's easier for you to take that heat than these guys in the midst of a, a jam-packed schedule in a, you know, like a, a playing during a pandemic where you already have the stress levels are up to like a hundred already, even without, you know, this up and down year. So from that standpoint, it makes sense, but yeah, like him just bluntly saying, yeah, we're not a championship team. Like it's a situation with him where it's like, well, you guys haven't been healthy. So did you make this team with like that in mind? Or is this just like a new development for you where, yeah, like I've seen 30 games. Now I, I know that we have these pretty glaring holes that, you know, Tatum around aren't going to be able to cover by themselves. And, I know maybe, I mean, is how much does the Kemba factor just like what Kemba has looked like during these 15 games, like just, you know, lead into him coming to that, coming to terms of that. It's a good question. It makes me wonder a little bit, like if he's almost, I mean, and this is just pure speculation, obviously, but it makes me kind of wonder if he's almost like setting the table for, you know, like traded player exception, um, you know, sort of expectations. Like if he's kind of looking at it and, and thinking like, I don't love what's out there right now. I don't think that anything that's out there right now is going to turn us into a championship team. And I don't want to just waste this because it's literally the biggest traded player exception in NBA history. So it makes me wonder if he's thinking about holding on to it until the off season by just saying, look, this isn't a championship team and it sucks. Like, you know, I wish it was, but the fact that it isn't is my fault. And therefore, you know, like blame me for this, but we're going to kind of go forward and then try to do what's best, you know, in maybe a, maybe a little bit more normal season. Like, I like maybe just kind of a look. I don't know if like big moves are coming because I don't know if this team can be made into a championship team right now. Yeah. And I guess he sort of, if you want to continue down that narrative, he sort of alluded to that when he was like, it's not like you go to the grocery store with a list and you can pick up X, Y, and Z, and then this comes out. So he sort of pushed back on the notion, just adding, you know, Vucevic or one of the names that have been thrown around for the TPE would all of a sudden change everything. To your, both of your guys' points, like this is the one shot here. The pressure is on, and this is where you you don't want to go too soon for something that's not going to make the difference because then you're going to be stuck. And then that's when things get really um, dicey. Not not now, obviously, but maybe in like two or three years when there, you have no means to improve if the internal development is not there, if the guys that are here and, you know, Tatum and Brown are, you know, have to carry a team day in and day out to, you know, uh, a mediocre record. So, 
the not going it for for it this year it, it's I, I brought this up i think in a i was texting with a couple of friends about just possibilities and like um with the option was and it was like watch them just you know they'll take a bad contract and pick up a pick or two this year with the exception and like go go the opposite route of like yeah everyone's like okay this is a win now move no this is a you know add to you know replenish the treasure chest so we can do something in the offseason but the fact that this random and so wide open i don't even think you could even come close to justifying that because if there's no fans and there's no real home court advantage in the playoffs then if you get everyone healthy here there's no reason why they can't necessarily put something together it's and true. make the move and make the move and, and upgrade i should say on top of that I mean, it's true, but like at the same time, like if getting your players back is going to make that much of a difference, and if and if the East really is that wide open, um, maybe you just ride it. I, I don't know. I have a lot of concerns about like going for anything this year, just because like this whole season is so truncated. Everybody like to 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 try to get like a top seed, you would have to like play everybody um, in a way that is going to run people into the ground. Jalen and Jason are putting out just like superhuman, you know, amounts of minutes and everything like that. And, you know, this team is still 14 and 14. If, you know, if they're trying to get into like, you know, the top four, you know, like that, that's going to take a huge toll on, on, you know, a couple of guys who have been healthy, you know, for the most part, but uh, you know, like, we'll see, like, I, I don't know. I mean, just like, that's, that's a lot of minutes. So I don't know. I mean, I hear, I certainly hear the argument for like, it's a weird season. Like, you know, anything can happen. You should be prepared to like take advantage of that. But at the same time, I just, I just kind of wonder like, is it worth it? Like you've got, you've got these guys under contract for the next like four to five years. Is it worth it to go for it this year? If it's going to take like a, you know, a real like physical toll on literally the future of your franchise. You're right. In terms of just the, especially Jalen Brown, like we know, we know Tatum's issues, obviously health um, concerns with the, the impact of, of COVID um, on his breathing and things like that. And that's, you know, obviously incredibly probably worrisome thing for him and the team in terms of just not knowing where that road goes right now. And then, you know, Jalen Brown with the, his knee situation that again, exactly. keeps popping up, like that's, that's not going to go away with, you know, a few days off for the all-star break in which he'll probably be playing anyway. Yeah. Um, but Put it is. Dunk contest. Let's just uh, yeah, right. Let's, yeah, just, uh, let's do everything here. Three point. You know, let's uh, make it a make it a Jalen Brown night in the land. I'm sure he actually would love. That. That'd be pretty cool if he was, was feeling be better. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a situation there where you're right. Like this is you're gonna have to pay through the nose for the guy that's gonna have to make the difference for you anyway. Then and and you're not and that guy is say coming off an injury right now. Like seemingly half the potential trade targets out there are at the moment that would are on potential sellers then yeah, that, that becomes a situation where you, maybe you say, Hey, okay, we'll see what these guys can do all by themselves with the cohesion with smart and Tice and you know, what hopefully Kemba can start grounding it out into at least an above average starter by the end of the year and then regroup in the, in the off season. Yeah. Because even as poorly as things have gone so far and yes, they are fourth in the East, they are still fourth in the East and only four and a half games back. So I mean, you'd think that once Smart comes back, if they can figure out how to handle their three bigs, I don't know, they could still be competitive with the team as constructed, even though I know Danny literally said they couldn't. <laughs> it, not I with myself of it. Right. Not when you have three starters out. That team is not going to be competitive. But right. when Daniel Tice and Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker are replacing Javante Green 
And I don't even know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, when they do get healthy, who stays in this rotation right now beyond like Pritchard, which I feel like off the bench is the, the obvious choice. But beyond that, like, you know, you obviously have Neesmith. That's like, I don't know who's been the exact opposite of a sharpshooter. I feel like just it's beyond Mr. Hustle, like <laughs> Mr. Rebounds and like takes two shots in 23 minutes, which is like, whoa, like that's okay. But he's still helping right now. But then even beyond that, it's like, you can make a case for anyone on any given night. And you also could say, you know, by the end of the night, you're like, why was that guy playing that night? Which I feel like it's how, how Brad Stevens rotation has gone most nights this season. Yeah. I like how Danny Ainge drafted a sharpshooter and got like Tony Allen. Like, <laughs> um, like poor Brad, like who's going to stay in the rotation? I don't know, man. Three bigs. Like that's, that's who's yeah, going mean, to stay in the rotation. You, do you just like, start right there? If you're Danny, do you just take care of that problem for him and be like, okay, we have to trade one of these bigs to take care of the issue. That, that's what I, that's what I think he should do because I think like, I mean, for either one of those bigs, like either you can either trade like Tristan Thompson and, you know, like have like some salary matching or you can trade Daniel Tice. And then you've got like, you know, I don't think you'd want to because Tice has been really good. But like, that's the thing. Daniel Tice has been pretty good. Like, I think he would have some actual trade value if you found the right team. So like Neesmith probably should get some minutes because I think there's a lot of potential there. Like, you know, the, the, the sharpshooting is going to come around. And when that does, like, you know, all the hustle stuff will hopefully stay. Um, yeah, like Romeo Langford's coming back at some point. Like he played pretty well at, you know, at, during stretches last year. Like he might have to get into the rotation too. Like I don't envy Brad. Like Brad's Brad's going to have a, like, I, like you know, Danny, uh, Danny taking the fall was nice because I think, uh, you know, Brad's going to have some tough decisions coming up here. Set up for him a little bit by Danny. I think maybe the other move for Danny to make is just removing maybe Jeff Teague from the roster. <laughs> Cause it's clear. Like that's one of Brad's guys. Like he clearly loves Teague from, you know, going back to their college days. And it's probably hard. Cause it's like, yeah, you, you, you want to see this guy succeed and beyond hitting open three point shots. It's just not, it's just not there for him anymore. Yeah. I feel like, you know, things must really be bad with Jeff Teague because he's gotten so many DMP CDs. Like for Brad to not play him, it has to be pretty bad because I'm sure Brad would love to be giving him minutes right now. It's, it's 28% shooting from two point range bad for, for Jeff Teague right now, which is, it has to be close to one of the worst numbers in the league. So I also do like when Tom was talking about how to handle the three big situations, trading Robert Williams wasn't an option, which I agree with. (laughs) I think some people would argue that he should be the one that gets moved for something. Right. I mean, most people would be wrong and uh, (laughs) they hate fun things. I do wonder, it is like the the seller angle to this is kind of intriguing to me. If it is like, okay, we have this log jam and I guess this is maybe part of the problem of how the subjects got to this point right now is like, you know, they kind of played it out with all their guys over the years in terms of like Marcus Morris and Rozier and obviously Hayward last year to a lesser degree. Hayward, they obviously wanted to keep Morris and Rozier. I think it was no surprise that both of those guys were gone after those years ended. But they, instead of, you know, trying to get something back for them while they could, all these guys were able to walk. And so now, I guess if you're the Celtics, you do have to figure out, I think they honestly should re-sign Tice. Like, I don't think he's going to break the bank. And I think he's, I think obviously he's proven like that, a guy you probably want to roll with over Tristan Thompson at your starter, assuming Rob Williams isn't, you know, ready to, to, or you can't trust him to be healthy enough to, you know, handle 25 or 30 minutes a night. But if they, for whatever reason, say like, you know, we're probably not going to be able to keep Tice that, and they can get something good for him with him playing so well this year, then like, I think you, you have to consider that too, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it would be kind of painful to do that because, 
Tice really is kind of your security blanket. Like that guy can do a lot of different things. And like, he's, you know, like he's so like, I think he does like a lot of really smart defensive things too. Like where, yeah, he can't handle Embiid, but like, um, but you know, like, I mean, he's, he's in the right place that accounts for a lot. So, and especially like, you know, if, if he can, obviously there was that, you know, that lengthy stretch where he was hitting every three he threw up and I, and I think he can shoot, like, you know, we've all seen him in the practice facility. Like he can really like, he's got a, like a nice looking shot. So yeah, if you can, if you can hang on to that guy for a, for a good price, I definitely would try to regardless of what happens with Rob. Um, all right. Do we have any strong takes here? All-star starters name tonight, huge hop on issue, huge water cooler issue around the world right now, all-star starters, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both just missing the cut and the front court and the back court respectively in the East. I guess I was kind of, I mean, I guess I'm not shocked, but I mean, cause Kyrie Irving got so much of the fan vote, but like, I mean, kudos to Kyrie for being able to, you know, just go AWOL for a couple of weeks and, and just slide right in there. And as a starter, like nothing happened. This is the power of having some really, really good basketball shoes that people like to buy. Jalen <laughs> oh, got snubbed for sure. Tatum, I don't think was expected to be a starter, but I, I think Jalen got snubbed. It is nuts that Jalen, even after like his struggles, you know, had a couple of bad shooting nights in recent weeks, he's still shooting 50, over 50% from the field and 40% from three, despite taking 20 shots a game, which is just pretty insane given the, the volume and the, and the kinds of shots he's been taking all year long. So like, who's been the better all around player this year, like Brown, Bradley Beal or Kyrie Irving. I think Brown's got a pretty strong case over both of those guys. Also, when you consider like what he brings defensively compared to those players, I don't know. Right. It just seems, it just seems like he would be very deserving of the spot. Um, so some of these shots he's taking are tough and that's because he's been in charge of like carrying the offense for quite a while. And, and, you know, for stretches, obviously without Tatum or when Tatum was struggling, like it was like, literally like the Celtics have been Jalen Brown's team for real portions of this season. Um, whereas, you know, I mean, obviously Kyrie, like, yeah, he has, he has KD, he's had James Harden for, you know, a good portion of the year like that, um, <laughs> makes things a little easier. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, I think there's a real case for it. I mean, um, but you know, fan votes, Kyrie's extremely popular. So I, I don't know how much to, I don't know how much to call it a snub and how much to just kind of call it like the NBA decided to let fans get involved here. We right. got second, second among players too. Players yeah. love Kyrie too. They really do. Like Jalen is obviously still going to make the all-star game just as a reserve. So yes, it's not really that big of a deal. I don't think he probably cares either, but you don't often, you don't often like, like make an argument for a player over another player by saying like, well, he was an all-star starter as opposed to an all-star reserve. You're just kind of like, oh, like he was a seven-time all-star or whatever. So right. yeah, I, I don't think it's the, the biggest deal in the world long-term here. Who would be the best candidate on the Celtics roster as a third all-star right now? Or, or who's their third? The answer is no one, obviously, but who's the, who's been the third best Celtics player through the first half of the season? Tice, right? I think by default. Yeah. Shooting well, good defender. Like, you know, you know, it's not Kemba. You know, it's not, I mean, Smart's been out for too long. I don't know, man. I think it's Tice. Like overall ranked, I think it's Tice, but I guess you could maybe make a case for Peyton Pritchard when you talk about playing like within his role. Yeah. 26th pick in the draft. I don't know if people expected this of him. Like he hasn't slowed down yet. Like he just keeps living up to his... I want to say potential. I don't know. Maybe there's a case for him. 
I was I about to make fun of you for uh, for listing a guy who's averaging eight points a game as a starter, and then I looked at my pick, and Tice is averaging nine point three. Yeah. So, <laughs> <fair> <laughs> that shows you how poorly the Celtics right. scoring is yeah. outside of <laughs> really yeah. the jokes on all of us here. If yeah, if before the season, if we had this question before the season, and the and you were told the answer was Pritchard or Tice <laughs> as the third best Celtics, that that'd be a a big rut row, I feel like, in terms of where the team is right now. Um, I mean, and to, and to be a hundred percent clear, like we are, like, we're not being very fair. I like, I know Kemba has had a really tough year. He is averaging like 16 points a game. And like, and obviously he's only played, uh, you know, 13 games, but like, you know, if you're actually talking about like a third all-star candidate, like it's going to be the guy who's like averaging double figures rather than, yeah. the, rather than the other guys. We would all bet there'd be him by the end of the year for sure. Obviously it's just a matter of, he, you know, he's averaging 16 points a game, but he's also shooting 36% from the field. So it's like that when you factor that in with his, his, his defense, which the effort is there, but um, I feel like he's just getting picked on more than usual, even more than in the past down there um, as he gets, you know, his feet wet here um, in the first month he's been back here. Um, that's, that's something where the net rating and stuff like him, like those numbers are not good. And that's something that's, I think, honestly, that might be your biggest concern right now. If you're the front office thing, big picture, um, you know, assuming that the pain isn't there for his knee, which is obviously great. Like that's the first and foremost thing that you want. But if the Celtics are just not a better team right now, if him on the court and it, the longer that goes on, the more worrisome that is, because no matter what you do, whether you, you hold on to him or you, you potentially try to move off him, because that's going to be, Either way, that's going to be a big headache for your long-term plans. Birav, I'm curious what you think. Like, does he, like, how healthy does he look like he's moving? Because sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like it's not that bad and he's just, like, can't make shots anymore, which is a weird thing that feels like it probably could reverse. But, like, he's definitely not, like, as aggressive going to his step back and all that. I mean, like, what have you, what have you made of, like, you know, just kind of, like, his explosiveness, like how healthy or not healthy he looks to you? It almost looks like he's just entering a different part of his career. That's what I think too. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're on the same page on that. And I'll curious to hear if when Nicole thinks too, but like the shots, like it might be a situation now where that pull up three coming off the pick and roll toss, like that's just not a great shot anymore for him. Like, and I mean, we'll see, like he's still going to take it, but like maybe you take that twice a game instead of five times a game, because you have to hit that. You have to, especially early shot clock, you have to hit that shot like a good amount for that to be a good shot when you have two guys averaging 26 points alongside you. And so that's where I think he started to figure that out better these last few games. And maybe, you know, the rotations make a little bit more sense. And, you know, they're using him, obviously, I think using him as in catch and shoot situations make plenty of sense as well to get him cleaner looks. But clearly, I think the lift, um, both on those shots and, without a doubt around the rim with his struggles in two point range. Um, that is, it might just something where he's not going to get that back and he has to kind of adjust his game accordingly for that. Yeah. I think entering a different stage in his career is a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> I, I think I, I agree with you though. And I think that I've been very skeptical of Kemba's, health and just what he can bring moving forward but I agree with what you said and, and I like how you phrased it <laughs> that's, 
we're we're, Um, we're in a generous mood here tonight. (laughs) But going back to the all-star voting for a second, what stood out to me was the um, utter disrespect from other players toward Gordon Hayward, who ranked 15th by players among the front court players. Yeah, I didn't see that. Ouch. I guess that's all I can say on that one. Like that he's, is that, is that just being like, yo man, you got, you just took the money in Charlotte and want to play for a team that, that, but that should really factor in a player. Players should be all for that. Yeah. You got, you got paid. So like good for you. So they, do they just guys just are not, he just doesn't have much respect out there amongst when compared to other top stars, I guess. There's kind of a weird thing when you look at like Hayward's Hayward season, right? Where like, we, we keep hearing like, whoa, Gordon Hayward put up like 44 points, you know, whoa, Gordon Hayward put up 34, 34, 39. But like, there is like kind of, there, there's like, there are real highs and real lows with how he has, uh, how he's played the season. Like, like if you look at just his first four games, right? 28, 12, 28, 11. Like he's, he's kind of been all over the place. Like, uh, you know, he's only averaging like, I mean, not only it's, it's pretty good, but like, you know, 22, 22.3 points per game. Like, you know, that's, that's all-star certainly, but it's not like he's like, I, I, it kind of feels like he's been, you know, this like, like superstar in Charlotte, but he's been like, he's been a, he's been a star. He's been an all-star in Charlotte. I don't think he's been like, you know, this transcendent guy. Um, he just kind of looks like Gordon Hayward. If Gordon Hayward got more shot attempts, which, you know, is an all-star, especially in, you know, in the East, but it's not like he's, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know that he's this like transformative talent, but then again, the Celtics have transformed into a 500 team without him. So maybe he is, I don't know. That, that, that was a good find, Nicole. I did not see the 15th there. Right, is Charlotte going to make the playoffs? Let's, let's end off in this. Between him, Rozier, are they going to pass Boston in the standings at any point? <laughs> and is that going to be one of the most, you know, you think people are, you know, got their pitchforks out now. Like what happens in that kind of a situation? Oof. I think, I think Charlotte's going to make the playoffs. You remember that, like that Timberwolves team that had like all, all that, like, all that kind of like fun energy. I, I compared them to like the, the Ricky Rubio, like Derek Williams stuff, like back in like, back in like 2013, that never really panned out, but it was this like yeah. really fun stretch where like Rubio was just throwing like all these like ridiculous passes. And like, they were just like fun and had all this energy. And I feel like there's something there with like, you know, LaMelo um, where the big thing is just like the passing, like er- everything is based around his passing. And then, and then they actually have, you know, a star wing in, in Gordon Hayward and they have, you know, like, like Terry's played well for stretches. Like they, you know, I think they've got a little bit more talent and, and they're just kind of a, kind of a fun, exciting team. I think they'll make it. I hope they make it. If they are going to have a better record than the Celtics now is the time because the Hornets are 13 and 15 and the Celtics <laughs> are 14 and 14. So we'll see how Friday goes for the Celtics, but yeah, I would like to see them in the playoffs at the very least. I think they're like a fun league pass team. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Rose, Rosier's numbers right now are like borderline all-star. He's averaging 20 a game, shooting 44.5% from three on almost eight attempts per game. Like that contract is suddenly looking like pretty solid value in year two uh, for those type of numbers. I mean, defensively, you know, meh. But if if you're hitting shots at that rate, then that's, that's pretty damn impressive. That's actually the reason that uh, Gordon Hayward was 15th in uh, player votes is because uh, Terry Rozier was splitting all of his, uh, yes. all of his R- all-star <laughs> votes. That's, you know, and that's, and incidentally with, with the Rozier contract, if, if that pans out really nicely, that actually is two um, contracts that everybody thought were going to be a major overpay uh, for the Hornets that, you know, I mean, like Gordon's playing like, you know, 30 million is a lot of money, but like he's playing really well. Terry's, 
you know, Terry's contract was a lot of money, but he's playing really well too. So shout out to the Hornets, I guess. All right. Well, guys, this was fun. Winning plays, Geno time, joining forces together for the first time. I don't think it's going to be the last time. We'll hopefully get into some, some trade talk next week. And honestly, probably much in the next few weeks on both our pods, but you can obviously check out Geno time podcast on the blue wire network. Follow, follow, subscribe, review them on there. Uh, winning plays as always. Give us a review, subscribe for us as well. And um, we will see how this 500 Celtics teams responds in the coming days. And what do you guys think next week? Are we looking? Are they are they going to fall under the level here? What, what's what are our closing predictions? I think they're falling under the level on Friday. <laughs> Tom and I, I have been texting about a, about a loss on Friday coming. <laughs> Oh, and three against the Hawks against in the next seven days. That is that that could be on the table. Somebody's got to stop Trey Young, and I don't know who that's going to be yet. So, Tremont Waters, step on up. <laughs> Let's go. It's your turn. Um, all right. Well, that will be fun. We'll see what the the Southern's coaching staff can pull uh, can pull rabbit out of their hat on Friday night, and that, and um, we will um, catch you guys down the line. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.